The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio here at W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. And now, your host, Kevin Hallinan. Welcome back to Winning Business Radio. I am your host, Kevin Hallinan. The mission of this show, as regular listeners know, is to offer insights and advice to help listeners avoid the mistakes of others, to learn best practices, the how-tos, the what-tos, the what-not-tos, and to be challenged and certainly to be inspired by the successes of others. You know, every successful person I've ever had a chance to talk to has had some form of failure in their lives and careers. So while we all have to get our knees skinned once in a while, I'm driven to keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. Let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. Today, my guest is Michael Eisner, VP of Franchise Development and Real Estate for Next Step Franchising, DBA Lapels Dry Cleaning. Here's Michael's bio. After a successful 15-year career in sales and management for one of the largest privately held technology companies in the world, Michael was looking for a change as he was constantly traveling around the country on business. In 2001, Michael became the first franchisee for Lapels Dry Cleaning and has been instrumental in the development of the award-winning brand ever since. In 2005, he sold his franchise and joined the Lapels corporate office full-time. Today, Michael's focus is on franchise development and growing the Lapels brand as VP of Franchise Development. Michael holds a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Texas, Austin. He resides in Duxbury, Mass. with his wife of 25 years, Ashling, three girls, Erica's 26, Sydney's 18, and Natalie's 15, and they have a pug named Via, or Via. You tell me. Michael, welcome to Winning Business Radio. Thanks for having me, Kevin. It's uh, ac- actually Eric is 21. 21. Okay. Don't tell yes. her I said that. I'm sure she's going to listen. Yeah, it to sounds it. like I had a child out of wedlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Not the case, though. No. So I really appreciate you carving some time out. Um, tell me about the family, your wife and your girls. Well, you know, as you've heard, I've been married for 25 years. Mm-hmm. I've got, uh, you know, three daughters who are, you know, fantastic. My, uh, my oldest is uh, attending college right now, and she is at Keene State, oh, yeah. uh, which is up in New Hampshire, so she's close by. I've got my 18-year-old was scheduled to go to U, uh, UMass Amherst this year, but um, mm. she is doing it virtually now for uh, UMass. And then I've got a, a sophomore at high school at Duxbury High School. Nice. And Pug? That's Via. Via, it is Via. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is it Via. Like it. I thought that was the case. Um, and <laughs> what does your wife do? Does she work? She um, is in real estate at, at the moment, okay. residential real estate. Yep. Pretty hot market right now. Yeah, she's uh, she's done pretty well at it, but um, she needs to spend a little bit more time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your background a bit. I know you sure. grew up in St. Louis, right? That's correct. Uh, uh, the city or a suburb? A suburb. There's a uh, town west of St. Louis called Chesterfield is where I grew mm-hmm. up. Okay. So great tell area. us about that town, the upbringing, et cetera. No, it's a great town. Um, you know, when we moved there, it was, uh, you know, kind of farmlands. I, I attended school um, in another town called Creve Coeur in uh, was able to continue my schooling at the uh, high school, even though I was out of the area. So I certainly commuted to uh, school each day. Um, mm-hmm. But great community. I love St. Louis. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, a great place to raise a family. And I got on to, um, you know, play soccer out there in St. Louis for, for many, many years and really uh, enjoy going back and seeing my friends, especially. Nice. Um, going back there, there's a lot of food and a lot of restaurants that I love to, uh, you know, go to when I'm back in St. Louis. That um, is one of the main reasons I go back now. My mom has since moved <laughs> to the, 
Florida. So, um, oh, nice. Yeah. What's the famous cookie? Like an ooey gooey cookie or something like that? What do they call it? It wasn't the it wasn't the cookie that I always go back for. I'm, I think there was uh, some kind of cake that was mm-hmm. always popular. But it's yeah. Uh, yeah. you know pizza, toasted ravioli. Um, there's a place there called Lion's Choice, which is uh, roast beef sandwiches. So um, I'm a foodie when I get back with, to St. Louis. Uh, they're not too bad with barbecue, I understand too. Yeah, barbecue is um, something that I learned from my father. So um, he loved the barbecue, but we do more uh, Carolina barbecue. Ah, okay. Than than um, anything. Were your parents in business? Tell me about your uh, what your parents. Sure. Did. My uh, well, my my mother was always a volunteer, so mm-hmm. she seemed to uh, follow me from elementary school, where she was the school nurse up to high school where she uh, ran the bookstore. And then my father was in real estate uh, back in St. Louis. Residential real estate? Residential, correct. So that's pretty much, that's fairly entrepreneurial. You're yeah, I mean, self-employed, uh, right? Um, well, he, he ran several offices for, uh, you know, several companies. So mm-hmm. uh, he had a great uh, career in real estate and, you know, one of the things that he always inspired in me was to, you know, get into business on my own. So, yeah. you know, that's the reason why I made the move to, uh, you know, franchising when the opportunity um, yeah. presented itself. What were your interests when you were young? Um, sports. I mean, it's always been an interest mm-hmm. of mine and music has always been a big interest of mine, um, you know. Love, uh, you know, classic rock and roll and, um, you know, certainly spent a lot of time playing soccer and, you know, going to soccer games and following the Cardinals, both football at the time and baseball Cardinals in the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, I always had uh, I always had a TV set on or was attending games. Mm -hmm. But I did happen to notice that you are uh, a big fan of all the New England uh, championships since 2001. Yes, actually, I am. Uh, <laughs> you know, which my friends uh, back in St. Louis um, don't want to talk to me about any longer. Yeah. You know, after the well, 20 years of. Because... Pardon? They can talk to you now because we've come down to earth, right? Well, you know, when um, I did attend a couple great events, I mean, I did attend the 2001 Super Bowl in New Orleans nice. when they played the St. Louis Rams and my friends were there and. Certainly yeah. didn't want to talk to me after the game. And then they I attended. That was a lock, right? <laughs> they did. Yeah, they did. I didn't. I wasn't really that bad with them. Um, I was in shock myself. They had won, oh, to be quite honest with I, you. And then two, I, 2004, yeah. I went to the World Series game four uh, oh, and awesome. Uh, awesome. against the Red Sox and the uh, Cardinals. Yep. And they wouldn't talk to that me then either when they saw me with my <laughs> Red Sox hat on. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so from Missouri, how, you know, what made you choose uh, economics and UT Austin? Well, I didn't really choose economics. Uh, economics okay. kind of chose me. Um, but I, I went like to that. UT. My sister went to school at University of Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, I did attend her graduation and said, um, you know, this is where I want to go and ran to the admissions building and filled out a um, you know, an application and got enrolled uh, that summer. It was that quick. Oh, wow. You know, I really, uh, you know, it's different now for students coming up. It seems yeah. to be a much bigger task of getting into a college, but I never really put much thought into it, uh, you know, back in the, you know, 1980 when I made the decision. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't but, as much money then, and the, so the yeah, decision wasn't it was, it as... It certainly was a good choice. I mean, yeah. 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 I love the school, so I am an avid, um, you know, Longhorn fan. So you can find me every Saturday watching Longhorn football. Nice. Well, I don't know how it happened, but well, actually, I think I do know how it happened. But my oldest, my thirty-year-old, was a Longhorns fan before it was kind of cool to be a Longhorns fan from <laughs> New England, right? Um, we have close friends who were there for a while. We took a couple trips to to Dallas, and I think he just kind of fell in love with them. Uh, yeah. um, and winning then didn't hurt. Yeah. Uh, so you said economics found you. What, tell me about that. Well, um, you know, I was going through um, 
I was looking to become a, a business major. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the time uh, I had, you know, been reading Ronald Reagan's bio and saw that he was an economics major, not that I was looking to become president of the United States, but or you know, I said, you know, pardon? Or an actor. <laughs> or an actor. <laughs> so I, you know, I thought, uh, you know, economics would be a good way. It's, um, mm-hmm. gives you a solid foundation and, you know, I already had some business acronyms. So, right. and I really challenged myself getting into economics and, um, uh, you know, here I am today. Yeah. How has that helped you today? That background? Well, it, it, you know, I think the, my economics background really helped me by understanding certain trends that are happening in marketplaces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly learn a lot about supply and demand, but most importantly, you know, just operating a business, you have to have, you know, some sense of, you know, economic background in order to really be a, a true entrepreneur, you know, understanding financials certainly has helped me, um, you know, in the success that I've had thus far. But it yeah. was uh, certainly a, a great decision on my part. Yeah, it does sound and, like And the school was easier to get into than the business school was. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yes. That was a plus. So, yeah, I yeah. find I find a, a number of, I'm not going to say a lot, but a number of small business owners um, struggle with reading a financial statement, right? Struggle sure. with what their financials mean to them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the key to uh, being a good business owner. Is certainly understanding the financials and understanding, you know, what you need to do to improve them. I mean, it's very easy to read the, uh, you know, the chart of accounts that you have in your, uh, you know, P&Ls and, you know, what needs to do, what you need to do to, in order to strengthen your your business. A um, couple of questions still about your, your earlier background before our break, first break. Um, what was, so take us, take, and take your time, but what was your career path from college up to um, lapels. So your first job out of college was what? That, that was financial services. So I okay. got uh, hired by a financial service firm uh, out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, spent, uh, you know, three months there. I, I uh, you know, really what it came down to was studying. I had to take my Series 63. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was preparing for my Series 6. And at that point, I decided you know, this career wasn't for me. Right. Um, you know, I, I actually poked my head a few times into the, you know, to the broker's room. And, you know, it was back in 1980, you know, 85, 86, where, you know, smoking was still allowed in an office. Uh, yeah. And, you know, literally a smoke-filled room. And I said, this isn't for me. <laughs> um, and I had started a, a small T-shirt company when I was at Texas, oh, cool. where I was selling to uh, you know all the different universities that were in the Southwest Conference, you know, hitting up sorority and fraternities and you know big sporting events like the mm. Texas OU game. We would create shirts for so that really gave me a good um, you know learning experience about things I was looking for. At that point, uh, when I left. Um, you know, this financial services company, I was looking for a way to, you know, supplement some income. So I went back to t-shirts and actually uh, took a couple t-shirt designs to the Hard Rock Cafe of all places. Uh And um, they ended up hiring me to uh, run a a private club at the Hard Rock. Oh, cool. And so I ran that private club at the Hard Rock of Dallas uh, for about a year and a half. It was a great experience in my life. I was going to say that you must have um, learned a lot there, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, certainly it was a, a, a service business, mm-hmm. you know, so you had to be at the top of your game. There was sales involved, involved because it was uh, a, a type of club where memberships were sold. And, you know, every night there was something new going on with new celebrities that were in town or, um, you know, different uh, rock and rollers or musicians that would come in. So it was, a, it was a great experience. I mean, certainly out of college, I couldn't have asked for a better job. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the Hard Rock was then sold to a group. And at that point, I uh, was out seeking employment and got hired by this technology company. We would probably here know the name of it as Bose Corporation. Right. Um, so I started working for Bose back in uh, Arlington, Texas. 
and made my way up here to the corporate office relatively quickly, you know, within a three to six month period. Um, I came up to meet, um, you know, all the C-level guys at Bose, mm-hmm. including Dr. Bose, the president mm-hmm. at the time was Sherwin Greenblatt, a gentleman, uh, uh, his last name was Garen, who was the VP of sales in North American sales. And they brought me up to the corporate office and I started doing special projects for Bose. Um, I did have some kind of, you know, I had presentation skills. So, um, you know, they wanted me to start doing presentations and working with uh, some more experimental things that they were looking at the time. And um, so I certainly was on board with that and uh, also ran a small office they had in Waltham for a short period of time when I came up. Let's pause so, right there. Let's pause. Right yes. there. We'll, take, we'll take our first break right here. We'll be oh, back. Sure. We'll be back uh, in just a couple minutes after this break with Michael Eisner of Lapel's Dry Cleaning. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Is your pet overweight? suffer from itchy skin and coat problems showing signs of food allergies then do your pet a favor stop by fiesta pet deli south florida's original and only fresh food deli for pets prepared daily and fda approved with products like bravo nature's variety and biocomplete listen dogs and cats are carnivores 90 percent of their diet should be meat that dry kibble you put in their bowl every day contains less than half of what their bodies require veterinarian owned and operated fiesta pet deli has one mission to get your pet as healthy as possible give them a call today at 954-971-2500 or come check out their new store at the festival flea marketplace at sample road in the turnpike in pompano florida they also offer free local delivery shipping throughout the united states check out their website at www.realfoodforpets.com or just google fiesta pet deli if you truly love your pet and care about their health stop by fiesta pet deli call today at 954-971-2500 You can tell what's wrong with a car just by sitting next to it at a red light. You can tear down a big block engine in 26 minutes. You know cars. We can help you find more of them to work on. And together, we can get your small business moving in the right direction. At AT AT&T Advertising Solutions, we have more ways to reach more people. With print, online, mobile, and direct marketing, AT&T Advertising Solutions has local advertising experts to help your small business find more customers. Call 1-800-GET-REAL to learn more. AT&T. Rethink possible. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. Hey, this is Kenny Wayne Shepard, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Michael Eisner, VP of Franchise Development and Real Estate for Next Step Franchising, DBA Lapels Dry Cleaning. And Michael, we were talking about your time at Bose, and you were just talking about, um, by the way, for those that don't know, Bose is not far from the Staples corporate office, just coincidentally. Um, Presentation skills and some of the special projects that you were working on. So talk about that. Yeah, so one of the one of the projects we ended up doing over there um, that uh, you know back in gosh the uh, in the eighties uh, Bose actually was part of a new product and service called DMX, mm-hmm. and that was called that was Digital Music Express. So it was the first uh, digital cable uh, music cable programming that uh, came over the uh, cable wire. Mm. 
And so what we were trying to do was get um, have sell-throughs with the technicians and the installers to sell those products as well as, you know, selling this new service. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was sent out to Hartford, Connecticut. Um, at the time, I think it was called TCI Cable of Hartford and lived in uh, the Hartford area for three months, mm -hmm. uh, learning about the product, putting together presentations. Um, and we were just trying to test to see if we could sell the powered product line through um, you know, the cable system. And we had great success doing it. Um, I went there with another gentleman from uh, Bose and two of us lived together and put together these presentations and we would, you know, find ways uh, of selling the product either through, you know, events mm -hmm. or, um, you know, setting up appointments and going into people's homes and setting up the speakers and, you know, let them test this new digital music cable that was coming through uh, the DMX service. So that that's that was the first thing that we did, and, and you know, it ended up being a what we would regard a, a great success. Um, the the failure was with the installers. I mean, they didn't have the same success that we did. They weren't as good at selling it, or, or was it more of a technical thing? Yeah, they just really didn't understand, um, you know, enough about the Bose speaker systems yeah. in order to sell it. But they really made it so easy to purchase, where they would spread the payments out over their cable bills. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, you know, every every presentation that we did, you know, we uh, myself and a gentleman by the name of Kave Kablu, you know, we would get them to sign on for the digital service, as well as, you know, selling a pair of our powered products. Well, the, I think the installers well, didn't have the same success that we did, yeah. um, you know, after we had left it. So uh, soon after that, uh, I think they spun that division off and sold it to a, another group um, and, and I, haven't fouled it ever since. When, uh, when I think of Bose, I think of just very high quality sound. I mean, that sound wave was just cool. Yeah, the, the acoustic wave. Acoustic the, the wave. Wave yes, radio. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great those, products, those things incredible. that we sold. I mean, we, we yeah. sold that in our, our in our lineup, absolutely. So what's a lesson you learned from that experience? Well, I, I can't say that I was a, you know, did a very good job of training those individuals. For me, mm -hmm. it was more, you know, assuming that they understood how to do mm -hmm. it. I mean, we went on a couple sales calls with them. And, um, you know, it, it takes time to set it up properly and to... Um, you know, teach the installers, you know, the the points of the presentation that you really got to, you know, focus on. And, um, you know, I probably I learned uh, to be a, become a better trainer in what I was doing because oh, I guess I was assuming that uh, they would have the same level of success that I did mm -hmm. uh, presenting the products. I mean, they did, get, they did get a lot of people to sign up for the service. Yeah. You know, Bose was more interested in the hardware aspect. Right, of it, right. You know, in getting more of our products in the people's homes. And the so that's, the, thing. that's where they fell. The service being the vehicle for the product. Correct. Yeah. So what other positions did you have? You were at Bose for how long? Um, 15 years. 15 years. So what other roles did you have? Well, then, then I was started hitting the road. So, you know, during that time... As you know, uh, Bose was doing a lot of marketing and advertising on mm -hmm. on Paul Harvey, on um, you know Rush Limbaugh. You know, we had you know so many of these people that sent in their warranty cards. So you know, Bose was trying to find a way to really leverage all that. So we started doing events for Bose, primarily hotel events, or going to. Uh, you know, the air shows, going to mm -hmm. the balloon festival. So I really managed that and, and spent, you know, for me, it was 280 plus days on, of the year on the road. Wow. So okay. uh, I'm going to take know, that really, cool back. Rarely saw my wife. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm going to take that cool back. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of the time was spent, you know, hiring, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Um, you know, people to work the shows, um, they were contractors, mm -hmm. training those contractors to, to be able to do sales. So it was a fast and furious uh, business. I mean, I'd show up to a town, 
we'd have to hire some people for that day and then have these presentations, you know, from 2 to 8 p.m. And then it was off to the next town. So I certainly uh, did a logging, uh, did a lot of traveling during that time, a lot of it by car. I was just going to say, it sounds like a lot of driving versus flying when you're going. Uh, through, so. I, yeah, the best part of it was I got to see the country. I've been, yeah. Yeah. I've been to every state except uh, Wyoming at this point of my life. Wow. But it was fun. It was fun, you know, but uh, spending a lot of time and living out of a suitcase. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was much younger was was great. And then, you know, I, I had my first child and, you know, missed being there and mm-hmm. um, really was trying to find a way to get back home. And, OK, so um, that's yeah, that. Sorry, that, that was my next question is um, I, I think I know the answer, but. I, the way I wrote it is this way. Why did you decide decide to leave a job at such a solid company, tech company? Go ahead and tell that, even though we, I think we know what you're going to say. Yeah, well, it, primarily it was the traveling. But, yeah. you know, uh, Bose is always looking, a way, always looking for ways to better um, their systems and products and the way they're presented. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, – Close to when I started to think about doing something on my own, we started opening up, or the company started opening up factory stores. Okay. And so with the success of the factory stores, um, you know, it kind of made what we were doing obsolete. Were they in malls? Um, The factory stores? Yeah. Well, I think the first one was in Kittery, Maine. So that was the first factory store, you know, and then out in Illinois. So these, mm-hmm. these were big factory stores and a lot of companies you've seen recently, you know, closed down those stores. You know, they were just trying to do sell throughs the store and give people presentations and have, you know, the real experts of the product, you know, selling the products. Right. Um, and so I knew that they were shifting and I thought the timing of leaving the company was, was good. Um, you know, one thing at that company, you'll always have a career there. So right. I, I wasn't afraid of of losing my job and not being able to work. You know, for me, it's just wanting to be home and spend time with my family and, uh, you know, lay my head on my own pillow mm. um, was primarily my motivation to, uh, you know, to get into my own business. So take us through the decision making process as you were leaving or deciding to leave. And then where did dry cleaning enter the picture? Well, I always knew um, in the back that I wanted to become a dry cleaner. No kidding. Believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a sexy business. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, going back to my father, he, you know, my grandfather was a tailor um, Uh and a furrier, you know, um, and he always wanted to open up a dry cleaner. But and I learned this later when I had mentioned it to my father. But he could never afford to open a business. Mm-hmm. You know, he you know, always worked for somebody else. Right. And, you know, so that was part of my motivation. And then also, you know, when I was at Texas, my, believe it or not, the dorm that I lived in um, had a mall on the bottom two floors. And there was a dry cleaner there. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to go down there and speak to this guy all the time just to learn about the business because I was so intrigued. Um, you know, his guy owned a satellite store, so he was being serviced by another cleaner. Right. And I kept asking about the business and, you know, learned quite a bit back then, but it never left my my memory. And so I, you know, really wanted to get into dry cleaning. And I, uh, you know, met one of the founders of Lapels. And uh, him and I started looking at cleaners together about a year prior Mm-hmm. to lapels being formed. And, you know, I, I thought I was biting off more than I could chew at the time because I really didn't know enough about the industry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like every other, uh, you know, business owner, there's, there's fears. And I just wasn't able to overcome my fear and make that next step. So I continued working for the company, uh, for mm-hmm. Bose. And uh, I reached out to him one day and he said he started a, a franchise and, I think the timing was perfect because, as I mentioned, you know, um, you know, Bose was kind of moving in another direction. And I said, let's do it. And so, um, you know, I became the first franchisee for Lapels in, in 2001. And I really just stepped right into it. They had uh, created a prototype store in Hanover. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's Boston. That was, that's uh, the South Shore of Massachusetts. That's correct. Yeah, and not in Massachusetts. Yeah, I signed my franchise agreement, and next thing I know, I'm I'm in my store. Wow. That <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, and build out trying to learn the business from from there. Yeah. So one more question. We'll take our second break. But sure. Did you was it risky? Did you feel like you were sort of a guinea pig of sorts? You know, I never thought that. Um, yeah. I, I was just confident in my abilities. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I was a little too confident mm-hmm. um, in my abilities. But, you know, I, I had been to so many dry cleaners over the years yeah. through my travels. And it was very consistent in terms of the level of service, the cleanliness mm-hmm. of the store, you know, the value proposition of each one of those that I knew that there was a better way. And I was certainly... Um, you know, looking at lapels as being the uh, the better way, and it certainly was. Um, you know, felt very comfortable day one. You know, being in the store, although I didn't understand the industry, but yeah. that certainly that learning curve, uh, you know, took place, and I started building up my confidence. Well, let's and, take our break here, and we'll come back and talk about that better way right after the, these commercials. Sure. We'll be back with Michael Eisner, VP of Franchise Development and Real Estate for Lapel's Dry Cleaning. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. This is Johnny Three Tears from Hollywood Undead, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Have you ever dreamed of having your own radio show? Well, W4CY Radio makes dreams come true. You can be a radio personality on the number one ranked internet radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida. We can be heard in 105 countries and all U.S. states. Promote your business. Earn up to $10,000 per month and more. It's all up to you. Have fun and be heard. Call 561-506-4031. That's 561-506-4031. Start your radio show now. This is Colt Ford, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Be seen, be heard on the Internet's number one ranked radio station right here in West Palm Beach. What a way for your business to have a voice. Now is the time to advertise your business on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 for a deal you won't refuse. Again, that's 561-506-4031. Don't wait. Call now. Now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Michael Eisner, not the Disney guy. I'll ask you about that. Uh, VP <laughs> no of relation. Franchise Development, no relation. VP of Franchise Development and Real Estate for Next Step Franchising, which is lapels, DBA lapels dry cleaning. Um, yeah, you must get it. I don't know if you're tired of that reference or now, but, uh, certainly got a kick out of it. Um, I still don't mind it after all these years. Yeah. It's, it's at least uh, people know your name or they'll remember yeah, your name, they, right? They, they remember it. So you were talking about your opinion of lapels being the better way. Um, talk about that. Well, you know, the, the company itself, um, when we started, mm. you know, we were, environmentally friendly so mm-hmm. that that was a big piece of where i was looking to get into um, Even before it was a thing before it was a thing yes yeah. i mean things were trending towards that and we're going you know going back to 2001 mm-hmm. literally the the dry cleaning franchises that were out there you know um you know were kind of laughing at us that you know good luck to you you know being environmentally friendly and, and the business model was a little different it, you know, the whole idea behind it initially was having these satellite stores mm-hmm. and a couple of the founders had their own dry cleaning facilities mm-hmm. and to offer that wholesale cleaning to 
um, you know, each of the satellite stores. So um, that's how it all started. And, you know, for me, you know, I was more interested in my level of success than initially when I started out um, and, and tried to incorporate a lot of the tools and resources that the franchise was offering at the time. Right. But at the time, there was three founders. So, you know, it was kind of hard to take direction from, you know, from one and then having it change from another. So, you know, ultimately, uh, there was one founder left. He bought the other two partners out. And mm-hmm. and at that point, you know, we really started to, uh, you know, take traction and start really selling uh, the opportunity to other um, potential entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, your store was in the South Shore as well? Correct. What town? Hanover, uh, Hanover, Massachusetts. And yeah. it's, yeah. it's still thriving today. Nice. So that's my next question is take us through that decision-making process when you're considering selling your store. And one of the questions I had, I'll, I'll lump it into this one, was, was it your plan in selling that store to work for the corporate office or was that uh, something that happened separately? Well, early on, as I mentioned, you know, this is 2001 after uh, the founder, one of the founders bought out the other two partners. I mean, certainly he didn't have the financial resources to hire a, a, a massive team. Right. So I found myself being really involved with the franchise early on, um, helping to develop the, you know, the service models we were looking at, mm-hmm. focusing on best practices. And I was doing a lot of selling out of my store. Um, people were coming in and seeing that I was having such a good time and started asking me about the business. Mm -hmm. You know, we were very successful, you know, from a a visual standpoint, you know, to the customer. So we started opening up stores locally I started selling franchises locally, Mm -hmm. um, and bringing people on board. And, you know, my decision to, you know, I, I, you know, 2001, as you recall, in September 11th, you know, I had I had opened up my store or taken over the store back in May. And, you know, I, I thought the world had come to an end. You know, mm. dry cleaning had stopped. And, um, you know, I, I certainly was because I was still in my growth stage during that right. point. Right. And, you know, didn't really see, um, you know, clearly, you know, where this would take me. Um, but, you know, I, I'm happy to say that, you know, our model, uh, you know, had people coming back. I mean, that's what I always say. It was recession resistant mm-hmm. or very resilient mm-hmm. to what's going on. Sure, I had some really rough weeks, but um, it slowly came back. Um, Would I be wrong know, to say that it, there was less of an impact to the dry cleaning business by 9-11 than there was by the by the COVID pandemic? Oh, yes. Much less of, a, of an impact. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, back after sep- you know September 11th, you remember, we started making changing the way we were doing business. People weren't traveling any longer. Right. Um, back then, people were doing video conferencing. Um, you know, so... <laughs> it's a fad. It'll never catch on. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, very very similar to what we are experiencing yeah. today. Right. Uh, only the customers came back at a, at a faster clip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, 2005, I, I didn't anticipate selling my business. Um, I did have an exit strategy. My exit strategy was five to 10 years, and this was year four. Um, I had sold a franchise to a gentleman, and he asked if he could spend time in my store. I typically would say no, but I said, sure, you can spend some time back there. Um, so we sat in the back and just watched and um, at the end of the day, he asked me if I'd sell my business to him and really, you know, re- really wasn't uh, <clears throat> that interested, but I threw a number out at him and I came back the next day and said, I'll take it. Um, and you, you know, said, wow, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I still wasn't sure because yeah, I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed being a business owner and I enjoyed, you know, that aspect of the business, you know. You, you know, can be social too. I mean, you must know your customers and oh, you know, gosh, yeah, that's the part that I enjoyed yeah. the most. You yeah. know, was it because it was such a service model back then, right? Um, that I was going to miss the the friendships that I had made in the business. But you know, I did sell it. Uh, I was asked to come up here to the corporate office after that, mm-hmm. uh, which I did, and I've been here ever since. And you know, my roles have changed, uh, but um, I kind of look at myself as being the Swiss Army knife of you know, lapels, dry cleaning. Yeah. 
Yeah. As I've done pretty much everything. I've, I've trained, I've, um, you know, do real estate, I can do sales, so just the whole gamut. So give us the, I, 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 I hate the term elevator pitch, but tell us about lapels if we don't know anything about lapels. Sure. Well, <clears throat> as I mentioned, lapels has been around since uh, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are truly environmentally friendly, mm-hmm. uh, using the world's only 100% environmentally non-toxic dry cleaning solvent. Uh, what we have done over the years now is incorporate uh, technology and convenience and created a tremendous value proposition for our customers in an environmentally friendly way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, times have changed. And you know, our customers are constantly changing. You know, as I mentioned, 2001, it was all about service. Right. Here we are in uh, 2020, and really dry cleaning has become more about convenience. And so we have always been very good at pivoting with the needs of our customers. Tell me about some and, of those changes. Well, some of the changes, you know, uh, back in 2001, you know, when I got into business, pickup and delivery became... Um, you know, very, I guess, uh, relevant during the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, people picking up dry cleaning. So I, I decided to start doing pickup and delivery as well. You know, as you see today, it's become a very large piece of our business model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, technology has come into play today, you know, with barcoding garments where you can track the garment uh, throughout the process, track the times the garment's been cleaned. Um, so today we now attach instead of a, instead of like an old I don't know what a dry cleaning marker or whatever it is. We but... use tags. Yeah, they, they were using okay. tags back then. Okay. Uh, strip tags that you would adhere, you know, with, uh, um, you know, with, with a Denison gun, which is a, a thread, plastic mm-hmm. thread that would go through it, or a safety pin. Now we can adhere, um, you know, a small uh, barcode to the garment. And be able to track it through the process. Interesting. I didn't know that. That's cool. Uh, you know, today we offer 24-7 lockers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people today, especially in this COVID environment, that uh, don't want to walk into a retail location. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that are looking for that non-contactless, you know, form of delivery. So we have uh, in West Roxbury, uh, we do have lockers set up there. You, you can go by and check those out. Uh, we're trying to get those system-wide, but we have a lot of our new franchisees have incorporated this technology mm. with our mobile application today. Oh, tell me about the mobile app. Uh, mobile app has been great. That, yeah, we, you know, our mobile app uh, certainly talks to our POS system. Mm-hmm. You can download that on Apple or on um, an Android device. Um, you know. You select the store in which you want to uh, be serviced by, mm-hmm. and you can communicate through the mobile app, schedule, um, you know, a pickup if you want to be part of the route. You can check your order and the history, you know, within the, that store. So, you know, technology has really come into play. And, you know, regardless if you're the end user is using the technology or not, they certainly get the message that you are um, you know, technologically savvy in today's environment. Yeah. yeah and it, it's a whole new way of, of conducting business. You know, dry cleaners historically have never been marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could probably ask you when the last time you received a marketing piece from a dry cleaner. It's very rare. Yeah. You know, they, they, yeah. They may wait for, you know, uh, the guy from a Valpac or one of those. Right. Uh, right. Coupon. Uh, no. Coupons. Or. Yep. Super coops, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to us, that's not marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want to market to the right customer that's going to be loyal to the brand, to the operator, to the consistency versus being loyal to the price that the uh, coupon provides. So there's some so, community involvement. There's visibility. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of our operators are out there among the community. You know, doing what's best for the community. Um, you know, giving back has been a big part of the lapels way. Uh, we've been one of the largest contributors since I started in 2001 to the uh, Big Brother, Big Sister um, organization, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where we uh, annually collect garments and donate it to uh, Big Brother, Big Sister. 
Fantastic. You know, so it's very important just to be part of the community and no matter what business that you're in. How big is the footprint? Is it nationwide? Yes, we're national. We've got uh, right around 100 stores today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are expanding our, our footprint uh, daily. Any like Canada, any other countries or? Uh, nothing in Canada as of yet or international okay. at the moment. You know, we want to focus on here in North America. Right. You know, we've dabbled in some of those other countries, but that's a uh, whole different ball of wax. Yes, it is. Right, with franchising. Very different Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this. Why should someone choose let's set lapels aside for a moment. I'll ask you that in a second, but that'll be my follow up. But why should someone choose to get into the dry cleaning business? Well, dry cleaning alone as a small business has the highest success rate of any small business. Um, One of the things I can tell you, you know, it's not that sexy business like owning a restaurant or being a restaurateur. Um, But, you know, the the business itself is certainly sustainable. And as I've mentioned in the past, it's recession resistant and very resilient. You know, for those reasons alone, there's always going to be a need uh, yeah. for dry cleaning, as well as laundry. We have done a lot of shifting over this period that we're in during COVID to really incorporate a lot of wash, dry, and fold into our mm-hmm. operations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as more people are at home, you know, how can you generate revenue? Well, you know, we found the answer in wash, dry, and fold, and we're doing a, a fantastic job with that. Currently, we've created a subscription-based uh, laundry program where people can uh, select a bag size they want and get uh, their garments laundered by the bag versus by the pound. We still offer that, you know, a la carte by the pound, but we just try to make it a little bit easier for our people to uh, our customers, you know, to utilize this particular service. Well, I think you answered the, that was pretty good. You answered the follow-up too, but is there anything you want to add? Why lapels? Uh, Tremendous brand, um, great industry to be in. We've seen a lot of shifting in the industry. I think now is a great time to get in the industry as we find, you know, when there are things, you know, such as COVID, for, you know, real entrepreneurs and business owners, this poses opportunities for people. Um, You know, you're finding more cleaners are looking to exit the industry because they haven't been able to you know, continue their operations or have it marketed or communicated to their customers during COVID. Some have chosen to, you know, temporarily shut down. Mm. So, you know, we know it's going to come back. It has already started to come back. And I really feel that now is a great opportunity to get involved and uh, start dominating the markets in which you um, are opening. Um, what skills, uh, two questions, you can include, you can answer these together. What skills should um, that owner have and how do you identify those people? Well, sure. Well, you know, certainly you've you got to have an entrepreneurial spirit, right? Right. In order to get into business on your own. And I would say just a, an absolute strong desire to succeed. You know, for me, you know, um, failure was not an option. You know, I was putting everything on the line uh, for my family, family, everything that I've earned, you know, so that certainly is going to be, you know, very important. You know, got to have a strong desire to succeed. What we are finding having some bit of a sales background is going to be necessary where you can present Mm -hmm. and try to get some of the larger accounts, you know, visiting, um, you know, residential towers or going into companies oh, yeah. and, and picking up cleaning from their uh, their staff, you know, creating, you know, an easy way for them to drop off and pick up, you know, within their environment. So those things are certainly going to be very important, but still have that service centric type attitude about customer service. I uh, mean, and being fantastic. consistent. Well, we are, believe it or not, out of time. What's the best way for people to reach out and get in touch with you, Michael? Sure, they can give me a call right here at the corporate office. It's Lapel's Dry Cleaning. We're at 962 Washington Street in Hanover, Massachusetts. That's our corporate office. Mm-hmm. They can reach us on www.lapelsfranchise.com or they can call me here at 781-829-9935.
Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you carving the time out. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. I enjoyed it. You got it. I'm glad, me too. And thanks, everybody, for listening. This is a show about business and business challenges. If you have concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn at Winning Business Radio, or you can drop me a note, Kevin at winningbusinessradio.com. Our company, Winning Incorporated, we're part of Sandler Training. We develop sales teams into high achievers and sales leaders into true coaches and mentors. I always say, listen, we're not a fit for everybody, but maybe we should have a conversation. Thank you, as always, to my favorite engineer, Rebel Medler. Tune in again next Monday, November 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern, when my guest will be Richard Mandel, personal injury attorney of Baker Law Offices, PC. Until then, this is Kevin Hallinan. You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk 4 Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and Winning Business Radio.